with, uh, am I on? I'm red. <laughs> You're on. I'm on. Okay. Hi. <laughs> I had a fun time yesterday with your leaders. We met with elders and also some of your uh, key leaders in your church. And we just had a great day talking about how do we engage with our world, specifically in our community and those that are marginalized amongst us. And uh, <clears throat> I was able to share some of the stories that we've done at, at Crossroads in Red Deer. And uh, <clears throat> we just had a, a great day reflecting on what, is, what are we actually called to as a church, as individuals in our world. <clears throat> Dermot didn't give me like specifics on what to preach on this morning, so I kind of took, uh, decided to do my own thing. And what I wanted to bring, with you, to bring to you today is this picture of something that we've done as a church that we've been working on now for about 17 years. Probably about... I, I don't know, seven to eight years ago, we dug into the marginalized spaces in our world, in our community. But for 17 years, we've been on about how do we tell people and share the love of Jesus with our neighbors, with our families, with our friends. And we changed our mindset to actually care deeply for those in our world. And it has changed us as a church. In 17 years, we were 400 people and now we are 2,800 people. And it has been specifically as a result of individuals like you and like me just caring for the people that we live with, um, <clears throat> the people that we live next to, the people that live across from us, the people that we work with. And today I'd like to share with you um, just uh, kind of how we did that. I want to make things like really practical for you. When you leave here, you're going to have three things that I believe that if you do them on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis, it will literally change your world. And you will impact people around you in ways that you never thought possible. And so that's, that's kind of what, uh, what I want to do today with you. Um, we're not all evangelists, and I'm not asking you to be an evangelist. Uh, I'm asking you just to be who Christ is in you and be that in the world. And so uh, let me take you to Acts 3, verses 1 through 10 today. <clears throat> we'll read it <clears throat> together, and then uh, we'll get started. <clears throat> and my throat is... <clears throat> is uh, it's good. Yeah, a little bit of hot, warm. <laughs> I'll be okay once I get rolling. Let's read from Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for them money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his full attention, expecting to get something from him. And Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking this man by the right hand, by the hand, <laughs> by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him 
as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Father, today we come wanting to hear from you. And today I ask that you would use your words that you wrote to us here in Acts to just understand a little bit more of who you are and how you love us and what your plan for us is and how we can best serve you. And so we ask that you would use these words to touch us this morning and transform us this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if I stand back, I don't think I need my glasses. <laughs> so, is it? Yeah. That's a big honking mug. <laughs> okay, just one set. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so, on this day, what happened? Peter and John, probably not every day, but often would take this trek to the temple at around 3 in the afternoon to pray and to worship. This man, this lame man, would have been plunked down at the side every day of his life. If you read in chapter 4, this man was actually 40 years old, or just a little over 40. But he had been lame since birth. So that means probably as soon as he was a young boy old enough to ask for alms and beg, which probably would have been three, four, five years old, he would have been plunked down in front of the temple at the gate so that people walk by to worship, he could beg for alms. And that was this man's life for easily 30, 35 years. That's what would happen every day for him. He'd take the money, and it would be used to whoever's taking care of him, whether it's his parents, his brothers, um, his friends, and, and to help feed uh, him and keep him alive. <clears throat> he was never allowed to go into the temple because of his situation. So he's very much on his own, staying there. Um, he was also despondent. Uh, it, it says in the scriptures that he actually uh, looked at Peter and John and asked for funds. And yet Peter and John said, look at me. <laughs> and so uh, I've worked in Edmonton and Calgary, and I've walked by people on the street, and they're sitting there with their cup or with their hat, and they look at you, but they got a glass glazed over look, and they just don't care who you are. They just want some help. And uh, you give help, and you get a little bit of an automated response back, saying, thank you, bless you, those types of things. But you never actually talk to them directly. And you never take the time to actually stop and say, hey, look at me, let's visit for a while. Very few of us do that. I know I didn't. In this case, Peter and John, the Holy Spirit interrupted them and said, on this day, I want you to stop and I want you to talk to this man. They would have walked by him day after day after day. But for whatever reason, on this day, they were interrupted by the Holy Spirit and asked to stop and reach out and talk. So they got this man's full attention. And they said, uh, you know what, we, we've got no, no cash, no money. But what I have is Jesus Christ. Let me give you him. And as a result, this man was completely changed. Uh, they reached out, they touched him, and this man went walking and leaping. And in chapter 4, he even is grabbing hold of them, and he couldn't let go of Peter and John. He wanted to hang with them for the day because it was a cool day for this guy. Uh, this guy experienced three things that, that I just sensed were just overwhelming for him. One is he experienced a great overwhelming sense of joy. Joy that he had never experienced in his life. 
And uh, it's joy that, that actually he probably wouldn't even dream about because of his situation. So everything was brand new for him. What was broken, even his muscles and his sinew was, was formed, and he could even coordinate himself enough to go running and leaping and jumping. Uh, you remember the song that we grew up with, and, and I think you still sing it, walking and leaping and praising God, right? And uh, <clears throat> it was just, I remember singing that, I remember teaching it and, and leading little kids in it. But this man, it's so real that this man experienced who Jesus Christ was and he was healed. He also had great hope. His tomorrow was completely different. If you think about it, that now he could walk and he could do things, he could actually put his head on his pillow at night and dream about something brand new that he could do tomorrow. He had hope. He had new purpose. Up until then, he was strictly at someone else's um, disposal. Uh, he was completely dependent on everyone. And now all of a sudden, he, had, he could uh, have birthed within him new purpose where he could, he could actually go out and help others. He could get a job. He could actually earn funds and earn his keep. And so this man experienced joy, hope, and purpose for the first time in his life. He was completely changed. And Peter and John just shared what they had, they, which was Christ. <clears throat> With an individual that God had put in their path on a day-by-day basis. You and I have this same Christ in us. If you have given your life to Christ today, you have this same Christ in you that Peter and John had. It's actually a miracle. I don't know if you realize this, but when you gave your life to Christ, you, cha- you were changed in an instant, right? You became actually a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The life that you used to live, you no longer live, now you live in Christ. You are brand new, and there's a miracle that happens inside that if you think back and remember you were overwhelmed with joy, with peace, with love, because of this interaction you had with God. Christ comes near to you, and he lives and abides in you for the rest of your life. And that's cool stuff, right? That's stuff that is worth thinking about. And Paul talks about that, and it's a miracle that takes place. I don't know if you understand this, but you have an actual living light within you. And so we often talk about, I don't know if you've heard before, that we, you know, the church needs to be a light on the hill for the community so that everyone understands what God is all about and his good news. The fact of the matter is, that, like, that's okay that we talk that language, but the reality is it's not enough. The reality is, is that you and I carry the very light of Christ in us. And you carry it into your neighborhood. You carry it onto your bus that you go to school or your work. You carry it to your workplace. You carry it into your family, into your homes, into your neighborhood. Is you have this light of Christ in you that cannot be put out. You have hope and joy and peace and purpose built into you because of the very presence of Christ. And it's yours to give away. That's cool stuff. And we actually give it away. You see the responses that people have. So... We are filled, this world is filled with people that are broken. And so while, yes, we can talk about the marginalized, but the problem is, is even amongst us here in this room and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces, there's broken people. There's divorce. 
There's separation, there's addictions, there's domestic violence, there's suicide. Uh, my youth pastors tell me that uh, the, the national rate in Canada is 22% of our children are cutting themselves. They're looking for something different. And they're experiencing it in Red Deer. There's greed, there's poverty, there's control issues. I live in Red Deer. It has the largest divorce rate in Canada. Um, it's very affluent. There's lots of money. People don't need God, and yet they're completely broken. We live in a broken world, and the brokenness, it bleeds into our place. And, and what I want you to understand and get is that we are a broken people. And the only thing that's different about your brokenness and my brokenness and the brokenness of the people that do not follow Christ is the fact that you have Christ living in you. It is the only difference. You don't make, it doesn't make you any better. You're just as broken. But the fact is, is that we are made new because we are in Christ. And we still have to live within this broken world. And it's a cool place to be knowing that we have Christ in us in the middle of our stuff and in the middle of our brokenness. <clears throat> and here's, here's the thing that I want you to understand is I, I think, for the most part, um, the, church, the church itself is not able to reach your neighborhood. They're not able to reach your friends. Um, Derwin, the elders of this church, this organization, this building, does not have access to your, your friends that don't know Jesus, your family that doesn't know Jesus, your coworkers that don't know Jesus, the people that you play with that don't know Jesus. They don't have access to them like you do. And so whose responsibility is it to actually reach them? It's actually yours and mine in the world that God's placed us, in the people that cross our paths. I don't expect you to be evangelists. I'm not, for sure. But what I have found and what I've discovered is that if I actually just have my antenna up and pay attention to the people that God puts in front of me every day, life changes. That I can actually engage with people, I can share Christ and I can see life change happen in front of me and within me as I go about my day like that. And I will leave the, the going out and evangelizing the world to the evangelists because we have people amongst us with those gifts. But for the most part, all of us, every day we encounter someone that God is at work in. He's very much at work. The Holy Spirit is very busy. Um, he's already at work in your home in every last one of the hearts in your, that you live with. He's already at work with your coworkers. He's already at work with those that you play with. He's already at work working with your neighbors. Why? Because he created us, right? He knit you and me together in our mother's womb for nine months, and he has never left us. Some of us have left him. We don't walk with Christ, and God has never left those individuals. He's at work. So the Holy Spirit is always going ahead of us. You never cross anyone's path that the Holy Spirit is not already at work with. So you are never alone as you cross paths with your friends, your families, your co-workers when you, to actually share Christ with. You're never alone. In fact, the soil's already ready for that. And I, just, I want you to know that. Every day is a day when you can actually walk with Jesus. Every day is a day that you can actually say, Christ, let me see what you see today. And let me go where you want to go today. And let me see the people that you cross my paths and impact because I know that Christ is in me. People are desperate 
for joy, um, hope, and purpose. The day that Peter and John <clears throat> were walking by this guy, they were interrupted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, they, the Holy Spirit said, stop, look, listen, pay attention, deal with this man. Uh, you don't worry about yesterday, I didn't ask you to do it yesterday, I asked you to do it today. And so they were interrupted. And uh, I got interrupted two days ago. I was, uh, <clears throat> I was on my way to the airport. I was, uh, my truck was ready to go. I live in Red Yarn, about an hour, 15 minutes from the, ho- from the airport. And <clears throat> I was like, I, I was in a hurry. And I needed to clean the bugs off my windshield because I live in Alberta. <laughs> and so I'm like scrubbing away because the bug juice just isn't what it used to be. And, uh, and so I, I'm getting them off. My neighbor, who I've built a relationship over time, steps out of his house, and he doesn't smoke in his house. He smokes on the steps. So he's out on the steps, and he's probably away, from, away probably twice the distance from, from me and Lincoln. It's like way far away uh, on the end. And he's, uh, <clears throat> he's, uh, he's, he yells, Hi, Jordan. How's your day? And I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I, I got to get to the airport. I'm, I'm on a clock. And so I, say, I said, hi, Nad, I'm doing great. How are you? And then I kept cleaning my bugs off. And when I was finally done and I was ready to go, I said to myself, oh, hold it. This is a moment because early in the day, I had said, God, God, would you, like, I'm okay with an interruption today. And I, but I'm thinking, like, do it on the airplane, do it someplace, like, I'm at the airport, I'll interrupt me there. And this was happening, so I decided, okay, I better go say, talk to Nad. So I walk over, I know Nad has been suffering from cancer, he's had operations, um, I understand that he's clean now, uh, free of his cancer. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, um, so as I'm walking over to him, I'm thinking the first thing out of my mouth has to be, okay, Nad, I'm in a hurry, I gotta get to the airport, how are you doing? <laughs> And I'm thinking, that doesn't work. So by the time I was standing in front of them, eye to, eyeball to eyeball, just two feet away, and say, I, all I could do was say, hey, Nad, how are you doing today? And he said, my cancer's back. He said, I, I got all kinds of tests to do. They want to put me under more radiation. He said, they've already booked me in for for an operation, and they don't know what they're operating on yet. That's how bad it is. And he said, uh, life's not good. And so I, we spent some time together, and I said, can I pray with you? He said, sure, that would be good. So I prayed with him, and then I left. And so, interruptions. And uh, if I, uh, I, I, I think what I'd like to do with you is to help you get your head around three main things that if you actually did during your week, you could actually change people's lives around you. And you would get to participate in what God's doing and what he's already doing in your world, all right? Because he's a very active God. Number one is, be okay with interruptions in your life. They're all around you. What does it look like to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, uh, I'm okay with an interruption today. (laughs) I'll keep my antenna up and I'll watch for it. And uh, so I do that each morning, most mornings. At night when I put my head on my pillow, I say, Lord, uh, did I miss something today? Um, I didn't feel like I had an interruption, or I, th- I think I'm pretty sure I missed my cue on that one and on that one. 
And, uh, it, you know what? God's a gracious God, and the next morning is a new morning, and I can start over again. But what does it look like for us to be okay with interruptions in our day? Christ, if you read the stories of Christ throughout the Gospels, he was interrupted. Most of the stories came out of interruptions, that Christ was interrupted. So, okay, um, and he had a full schedule for the three years that we know him in the scriptures. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I, I don't want you to feel guilty. I just want you to be willing to actually take interruptions in your day. That's number one. Number two is uh, pray for three people. We've discovered as a church, and we've been doing this for about 12 years now, asking people to pray for three people. We ask our little ones. Uh, our, we have our children's wing, and we've got, um, we did some uh, ceramic tiles, and we asked them to actually write the names on the backside of the tiles of, of three kids that they were praying for. So three- and four-year-olds are thinking about their play school friends and who they can pray for and their neighbors. Uh, we have youth that are doing that, and all of us as, as an adult. In fact, when we, re, when we built our current building, it's about 11, 12 years old now, we had, uh, had a footprint of where the building was going to be, and we had an outdoor service. There was 700 of us there at that time, and we gave everyone stakes, and we said, write the names of three people that you're praying for on these stakes, and we'll pound them in outside of the perimeter of this um, building before we do the actual digging. And so when we were done, the end of the day, there was about 15 plus 1,545, 55 names on these stakes around our building. And it actually changed us as a church. From that point on, every time anyone comes to Crossroads over, over you know, they've been there for a month, two months, they know that they need to be praying for three people. It's a very simple thing to do. And as you pray for three people, God softens their hearts, and he actually creates interruptions and opportunities for you to engage with those people that you're praying for. So what does it look for you as a people to just start praying for three people that are in your path constantly? Um, it's, it's, it's good stuff. The other thing that we did was we said, have minute longer conversations. So be okay with interruptions, pray for three people, and have minute longer conversations. We had fun with minute-longer conversations. Some really cool things happened. Um, this neighbor I talked about, I actually had a minute-longer conversation. For the most part, probably for, I've known him, he's been living next to us for probably two and a half years. And I have failed in having minute-longer conversations with him. About six months ago, I am walking back from the post office box, and he's on the sidewalk having a smoke, and I walk right by him, and I say, I slow down, and I stop, and I say, hey, Ned, well, how's life doing with you today? I decided I'm going to just expand a little bit and have a, a conversation with him. <clears throat> and he said, uh, I asked my wife to leave me. And then he said, I've got cancer. And so he just unloaded with me for 15 minutes that he'd asked his wife to leave him, that um, she hadn't left yet. She was out the door within a couple of weeks. He had cancer in his colon, in his intestine. There's signs of it in his stomach. And he was heading in for radiation. And so this was, he's gone through, uh, I think, 12 different operations. He has no colon. He has no rectum. He's lost half his intestine. And uh, he's just a shell of a man. 
He's lost all his weight. He's probably 90 pounds, and he was probably 160, 170 pounds when I first met him. Um, but I said, hey, uh, I, didn't, you know, I don't know what to do. I got, what do you do? What do you say to someone like that? Can I pray for you? That's all I did. And he said, you know, that would be good. No one's ever done that for me. So I started praying for him. And ever since over that six months, he's texted me. He said, I'm in the hospital. I'm going in. I'm going under the knife in the morning. And so I was able to pray with him and, and start building a relationship with him just because I had a minute longer conversation. Another fellow in the church had a minute longer conversation. And he's driving, doing a drive-by in a coffee window. <coughs> and and uh, through the coffee window, the gal that's there is like all bubbly and just super excited. So all he did was a minute longer conversation. He said, so what, you, you look like you're having a great day. And she said, I sure am. I got engaged last night. That's why she was all bubbly. And all he did was said, well, so where are you getting married? And she said, I have no idea. I don't know where we're going to get married. I don't know who's going to do it. I said, he said, not me, he said, well, why don't you check out a church? Because they have pastors and check out Crossroads Church. They'll actually, they got pastors, they'll never marry you. And she said, yeah, maybe I'll do that. Well, she actually did. She picked up the phone later that day or that week made a phone call to Crossroads Church, connected with one of our pastors, ended up in, in pre-marriage counseling with her husband-to-be, and they got married, and they started attending Crossroads. And within six months of attending Crossroads, they have given their lives completely over to Christ. And they now have three children, and they are fully engaged in the life of the church, and they love the Lord because of a minute-longer conversation. So minute-longer conversations are actually the Holy Spirit has already gone way ahead of you. And you actually don't need to carry the conversation. All you have to do is start one, and sometimes nothing happens, and other times the Holy Spirit says, okay, we're going to go a little further here. Um, it's also like I'm, I'm not, I have to push myself to have minute-longer conversations. And uh, sometimes it doesn't work so good. I, <clears throat> I zip my own hair, and because uh, there's not much there, and and I could do it, and I got like a little thing with a number one on it or something like that. But there's probably every third or fourth time I try and treat myself, and I'll go to a studio, a hair studio. I've always done a hair studio. Don't know why, but <clears throat> I'm wired such that I'm okay with no conversation. You go into a hair studio, and all you get is like con <laughs> conversation and questions. It's like, what's with that? I wanted to think about my day. I wanted to think about what I got to do this week. I want to think about my next talk. And I got to answer these questions. And uh, <clears throat> so that's me. So this one time I decide, you know what? I'm going to try a barber shop. It, you know, the kind with the red and white twirly things, right? It's like it's an all guy thing. Let's see what happens there. So I went in, and uh, the guy's sitting in his chair. No one else, two or three chairs are empty. Only one barber there. He's, he's got his newspaper out, and he uh, flips the new paper down because he knows someone's there, and he says, cut, because, you know, I could want to shave. So, so I said, uh, I said, less than a one, no shave on the head. And he didn't say anything. He just stood up, pointed at the chair. I sat down. And it was great. He wasn't asking any questions. It was silent. <laughs> I, 
I, it took me like five minutes to try and figure out. I worried that he's going to ask a question. He's going to ask a question. Finally, I could settle down and just think about what I had to think about or what I thought I had to think about. Next thing you know, he shoves a mirror in front of me as he's done. And he doesn't ask. He just shoves a mirror. I say, good. He says, 13. <laughs> so I, I dish out 13. I said, thanks, and I'm gone. <laughs> Between the two of us, I don't think we said 10 words. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like walking away from the barber thinking, that was awesome. <laughs> so this is a guy place. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to talk. And I'm way out to the car. I put my key in the car. And God says to me, how is that minute longer conversation? It's like, oops. I missed the mark. And I realized, you know, there's so many opportunities that we have that we miss. And, and I'm guilty. Minute longer conversations are powerful tools that the Holy Spirit says, you know what, you can use them. And, uh, and so, you know, sometimes uh, praying for three, being okay with interruptions, have minute-longer conversations. Uh, you're going to go through your day. If you actually get up in your day and you think in those terms, at the end of the day, you're going to put your head down and you're going to find some days you, you just like, oops, it didn't happen. And it's okay. Tomorrow you can reboot. What's cool about our God, he's so gracious. He, he says, you know what, you can get up tomorrow this morning and everything's all new again, and you can do a reboot, and let's see if we can do life together again today, and let's play. And let's see what changes we can have. You carry the very living life of Christ in you. You have something that the world desperately needs, and I just don't want you to be afraid to share it. And so if you actually play with these three things, you will find that at the end of the day, you'll have a story to tell. At the end of the week, you'll have a story to tell. At the end of the week, you'll come together here and you'll tell stories of minute-longer conversations. And you'll find that you just started a relationship that actually pulls you in for longer, for sure. But at the end of the road, someone comes to know Christ. Someone finds hope. Someone finds joy. And it's because of the very presence of Christ in you that you just allowed to be exposed a little bit. And so I would just encourage you uh, this week to, to take out first spin. Experiment. Experiment on a minute-longer conversation. Experiment on asking God to interrupt you and see what happens and talk about it when you come together for a coffee. Whether it's a coffee here at the church or it's a coffee during the week, ask, ask hey, did you have any minute-longer conversations? And just see what pops out from it. And you're going to find that um, you have a gift to give the world and you're going to find that you grow here corporately because what happens is you know if you if you go back in time and you look at what the israelites did back in time when they left egypt uh, there was foreigners amongst them there were people that were not jews um, they were not israelites okay and uh, why were they there well they were attracted to the peace and the love that actually existed in that community they just they couldn't stay away. And so what we found at Crossroads is if you actually go to your neighbor and your friends, your coworkers, and you love on them, you have minute-longer conversations, and you don't try and cram Jesus down, you just be Jesus, that they actually want to know more. And they will follow you to where you worship because they're curious. And this is a good thing because 
they are so precious in God's sight. Uh, the, the people that we interact with on a day-by-day basis, God absolutely loves. And he asks us to love them too. And so uh, take those three things out for a spin and have some fun. And, uh, and it's okay if you trip. It's like tomorrow's a reboot. It's okay. Uh, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this time that you just uh, allowed us to think about um, your love for our world. Thank you that, that you died for us, that you sent your son, that you gave him up, that you have made a way for Christ to actually live in us through his spirit. We don't understand that, but we know we're different. And yet we're still broken, and somehow you love us, and you want to do life with us, and we get to journey with you. And we're different, and we're humbled by it. And we live in a broken world that needs the same love and joy that we found. Would you show us how to invite, to enter into conversations that allow your, your spirit, allow your presence to just spill out of us and impact people around us. And we look forward to hearing your stories, the stories from each other. And we ask this in your name. Amen.